Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast. Our mission of teaching people to love God by showing them how much He loves us starts right now. Guys, this week I heard a story um, from an old publication called The Daily Bread. And it goes something like this. Some of you dog lovers will relate, but he says, Our old dog, a West Highland White Terrier, sleeps curled up at the foot of our bed. That's been her place for 13 years. Normally, she doesn't move or make a sound. But lately, she's been pawing at us gently in the middle of the night. At first, we thought she wanted to go outside, so we tried to accommodate her. But we quickly realized that she just wants to know we're there. She just wants to know we're there. She's nearly deaf and partially blind now. She can't see in the darkness. She can't hear us move or breathe. Naturally, she gets confused when she reaches out for reassurance. So I just reach down and I pat her head to assure her that I'm there. I'm there. And that's all she wants to know. She takes a turn or two, settles down, and goes back to sleep. You see, it was David who said to us, where can I go? Where can I flee from your presence, O Lord? David took this as an immense comfort. If I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me, he noted. Even in the darkness will not be dark to you, he says. And I was thinking about this, this, this poor little dog on the, curled up on the bed, kind of reaching just reaching its what reaching its paw out in the darkness just hoping to find some reassurance i began to think how does that apply to us and i began to think i bet there are a lot of people who are lost in darkness there are a lot of people who are even today grieving or maybe you came here fearful guilty maybe you're here doubting god where are you in all this maybe you came here discouraged maybe you came here This evening, and you're just not sure of God. And here's our hope. Here's our hope. You ready? The darkness is not dark to God. Though unseen, he is still there. He reminded us over and over, if you're taking note, Hebrews chapter 13, the last part, and, and I love this, and this is some one of my favorite verses that I take home. He says this in Hebrews 13, 5b, for he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And so tonight, here's what I'd like to do, church. I'd like to spend a few minutes unpacking the meaning of reaching out in the darkness, reaching out. Y'all, y'all get the picture, right? Y'all understand what, what the whole story was about. It's that reassurance. It's, it's God, are you there? Are you there? I need some reassurance. I need some, some, just some assurance that you're in, in my life. Are you still there? You haven't left me. You haven't abandoned me. And I want to spend some few minutes talking about that, guys. Now, keep this in mind. Reaching out in the darkness is that wonderful assurance that God is ever-present in our journey called life, that he's always there. I want you in your minds to go back to Genesis chapter 1. Remember what God did. He created you in his image. In the image of God, he created you. 
We are in God's image and he loves us and he has a plan for our lives. We're the only ones who can take that plan and run away from it. We're the only ones who can take God's plan and say, no, I'm not interested. God, I'm going to do my own thing, but God loves us. And, and so what we need to do is we need to have that wonderful assurance that he's, that he's present with us. You go, what, what do you mean? Well, I think that we all want and, and understand that he provides protection as we move from this life to the next. From this life to the next. Now listen, when I think about all that's going on in the world, does that not stress us out? Everything that's going on, and I'm, I'm thinking, are you kidding me? I just jotted down a couple, but everything that's going on, I need the word of God to give me assurance. I need the word of God to let me know that he's still in control. I need the word of God so that he tells me that he is still on the throne. Or you go, Ben, what's, what's going on, right? Well, labor me with me for just a moment. I don't know if you understand, but in the world, we're in crisis mode. We're in crisis mode to what's happening in the world. And you go, what do you mean? Well, some of us, we under, we watch the news all the time. We know exactly what's going on. Others, we go, I don't know what's going on in the world. But let me give you an example, right? Just this week, just this week, guys, it was North Korea who threatened the U.S. that they planned to fire four missiles near the Pacific border of Guam. The sudden escalation in tensions this past week came after U.S. intelligence analysis assessed that North Korea had produced miniaturized nuclear warheads, according to multiple sources familiar with the analysis of North Korea's missile and nuclear program. Such a development would mean that North Korea is a step closer to having the capability of striking the U.S. with a nuclear-tipped missile. That's in the news. We live with that every single day. Now, if we're honest in church, we get up in the morning and we, we try to just beat the clock. We got stuff to do. And we just kind of hear this and in passing, we're like, oh, okay. Somebody will take care of that. And we don't realize that this affects our world. This affects, think about it, guys. This is the stress we're living under. Now, you might not directly go, wow, let me get the details. What's going on? What did our president say? What, did, what, what we realize, oh, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? You see, guys, it was, it was Jesus that told us in Matthew's gospel, the 24th chapter, what did he say? He says in verse 6, he says, when you hear of wars and rumors of wars... See that you are not troubled, for these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. I know you're looking at me like, Ben, ever since I've been alive, I've heard of wars and rumors of wars, and that's exactly right. Why? Because God loves us so much, guys, that he's been trying to warn us and get us ready. That's the truth. Did you know that we have been at war more than peace in this since the existence of the world? Okay, okay, Ben, what are you trying to say? I'm saying that there's stresses. There's stresses. Another situation, guys, that we had to deal with this week in Charlottesville, Virginia, right? Racism in a small town turns deadly. Someone asked me today, is that still going on? Does that still happen? Right? I, I kind of have, I mean, I mean, think about this. Hatred in our world is seeming, it, it seems to be a growing epidemic. What happened in Charlottesville? Fourteen people were injured in a riot, not including the victims of the car crash. Cable news replayed the seemingly endless loop of the early violence at the Emancipation Park 
which police in riot gear had surrounded the protesters three sides, although they seemed to watch as groups beat each other with sticks and bludgeoned one another with shields, many on both sides came dressed for the battle with helmets and chemical irritants. At one point, police appeared to retreat, then watched the beatings before eventually moving to the end of a free-for-all, make arrests, and tend to the injured. Guys, it's all about hate and racism, and we're dealing with this. Oh, no, 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 church, it's not right outside our door. It's in our country. This is what's happening. And somebody says, hey, I'm going to say what I want to say, and somebody else says, no, you can't say what you want to say, and all of a sudden, people die. People get hurt. And the thoughts in our mind is, what if that moved here? What if that got closer here? How would we handle this? It was Matthew's gospel, the same chapter. And here's what I want you to note, guys. Matthew 24, verse 7. The Bible says, and Jesus is speaking, he tells us this, For nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines, pestilence, earthquakes in various places. Okay? Everybody got that? But I want you to see what he's saying. Oftentimes we think, well, nation will rise against nation. Oh, I get it. It's the United States versus North Korea. No, 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 no. Guys, the word there means that ethnic groups will rise up against ethnic groups here. In the last days, that's what he's saying. There's going to be problems. There's going to be, there's going to be issues. There's going to be hatred. There's going to be racism. Jesus said, man, you, you understand that's going to go down. A lot of us watching this is going, man, this world is going crazy. Jesus said, watch it. Watch it. Watch it. Kingdom against kingdom. He says, and there will be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in various places. One of my pastor friends wrote this, and I'll just read it from him. He, he wrote, quote, racism is evil and totally anti-ethical to the gospel of Jesus Christ. The fact that Jesus shed his blood once is once and for all is proof that God created only one human race with all people in need of forgiveness and salvation. Those who hate others based on the color of their skins demonstrates, one, a fundamental lack in understanding of Jesus and the gospel, and two, an absence of primary fruit of the Spirit, which is love. Unquote. There are other situations. There are a lot of other things going on. I know that, guys, we need to bend together tonight and pray our kids are going back to school. And mommies and daddies, it's with great faith in the Lord Jesus that you send your kids back to school because we don't know what could happen. And if people say you don't have faith, you have faith every morning that you send your kid to school. And we need the Lord Jesus to protect us and to guide us. And we need to understand who he is and the love he has for us. You know, Pastor, wow, I didn't come to church to get all the bad news in the world. Are you kidding me? Seriously, dude, take, take a chill pill. Calm down. Well, listen, I'm not here to give you all the current events and bum you out. And I, I like, like, we're all going to leave here super bummed, right? It was like, oh, Lee, don't go to Calvary. You just talk about bad stuff. But what I wanted to do is I wanted to lay a foundation, and here's why. Because when we come to Psalm 121, 
in an effort to see how God protects us in the midst of a crazy world, and he gives us that assurance. Because here's what's happening in our lives today, whether we want to admit it or not, we're that same little puppy going, God, are you there? God, are you there? I need this assurance. I need to know you're there. I need to know, are you okay? Are you okay? Okay. Okay. Now, let me give you some background, guys, as we make our way through the psalm. The song may have been sung by the pilgrims as they journeyed, right? They're going to the feast. We've talked about that, right? In Psalm 84, we talked about the pilgrim who longed to go to the feast. There were three feasts that the Jews were required to go to, and this one is like, man, I can't wait to get up there. Why? Because they wanted an encounter with Jesus. They wanted an encounter with God. They wanted to come up and say, man, I just need to meet Jesus. Church, we're here on a Wednesday night, and I know I'm preaching to the choir, but isn't that what we're here for? We're here to meet Jesus. Guys, we need to come in church with, with our hearts expectant, going, God, speak to me. Speak to me. Tell me, what, what do I need? What, what is it for me? I want to grow. Have you, ever, have you ever asked the Lord, God, I want to grow. I want to grow. I want to be more like you. I want to I follow you. I want to obey your word. Guys, Christianity has gotten so watered down that we simply go, oh, yeah, I'm a Christian. Praise the Lord. And we move along our way. And when the Lord knocks on our heart and says, hey, this thing needs to change, we go, I'm good. And we got to come into here with hearts of humble going, I need to change. I need to hear you. I want an encounter with you, Lord. I want an encounter with you. So the pilgrims would be making their way, and they want to have this amazing encounter with God. And the leader of the company, as they made their way and they could see Jerusalem, would open up kind of singular with verses 1 and 2, kind of in the first person, and you'll see that. And the rest would assure, would come in and they would answer in verses 3 and 4 and so on. So picture the song. He'd come in kind of as a solo and the rest of the people would go and they'd sing verses 3 and 4, 5 and 6, 7 and 8, and that's how they're heading up to Jerusalem. Now, the theme of this psalm, guys, is God's protection over his people. And here's what I want you to note. The word keep or watches over is used six times in this little psalm. The word keep, he watches over. Tonight, I want you to leave here feeling protected. He watches over me. He watches over me. He keeps me. When we went to Israel back in March... We had come in, and we went to Tel Aviv, and then we drove up, and we ended up in the Sea of Galilee and Tiberias, and it was amazing, and we went up part to the northern part of Israel, and we came all the way back down to the Dead Sea, and we hung out there. And when we were headed to Jerusalem, they did something that was so amazing. We're in the bus, right, and we're getting ready, and we're heading toward Jerusalem, and they start playing this song. The song is called Holy City Jerusalem. And, and as we turned the corner, you could see just Jerusalem, and it just brought chills. And I, and I, I pictured that as the people were walking for pilgrimage to meet the Lord, it's like they could hear Jerusalem, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. And of course, this is the second of the series of song titled The Song of Ascents. It's a song, it's a song sung by travelers. This is particularly relevant for those for its trust in God through the journey. So my, I need to stop my Bible study right here and ask you, do you trust the Lord for the journey? Do you trust him in this journey called life? Where, where else were we going to go, church? 
Where else are we going to go? Do we trust him? Pastor, I got a question for you. I trust him, but man, there's a lot of things wrong in my life. A lot of bad stuff has happened. Well, the psalm answers that question tonight. And he's going to show us that we need to continue with our faith and trust in God. We, last week, we talked about a fellow by the name of David Livingstone. You remember the famous missionary there in Africa? Well, he would read one, Psalm 121 and Psalm 135, which praises God for his sovereign rule over all things. As he worshipped with his father and his sister before setting out to Africa in 1840. Trust. I know a little bit about trust. The journey that I was privileged to take with my wife developed trust. Trust in a God that I've never seen physically. I've seen his sunsets and I've seen his sunrises. I've seen the beauty in all that he calls good. But you got to remember, you got to remember, there's a couple of things that happened and happens to a couple. Specifically, I can only speak for me as the spouse. But the moment they handed down a specific term, hey, your wife has cancer, I heard she's going to die. You go, why, Pastor? Well, guys, if you know any of my background, when I was 18 months old, my mom died of cancer, same breast cancer. And then when I'm 13 years old, my sister dies of lung cancer. And then they tell my wife, they tell me my wife. I'm like, okay, well, what did I do, God? What did I do? What, what's, what gives? But I want to see. Here's what, here, here's what the psalm is going to mean to us, guys. Here's what the psalm. Because I had to go through the journey a little bit, and then I had to trust in the sovereignty of God. And the sovereignty of God means, God, here's, how, here's where I got to. Here's where I got to the point. God, I love my wife. And I'm all messed up inside, and I'm doubting you, and I've got issues, and I don't know why you're doing what you're doing, but I love my wife. But I know you love her more. And if you felt as, as her daughter that it was time to take her home, I have to trust your sovereignty. And that's where the psalm comes in, guys. It's trusting God's sovereignty. And saying, I don't know why, listen, I don't know why he does what he does, but I trust who he is. And that's what life is all about. Why? Because it's not going to all be roses and butterflies and rainbows. That's not life. But what life is is standing on the sovereignty of God going, I trust you. I trust you to the very end. I trust you to the very end. Now, remember. Reaching out in the darkness is that wonderful assurance. That's what we all want to do, guys. We want to reach out. That's what the psalmist is, that our God is ever-present in my life. God, where are you? I need you. I need you. And that he provides protection as we move from this life to the next, to the next. Can, can Can I just say something real quick? Guys, the goal is the next life. That's the goal. And, and, and I say that with as, with as much love as I can muster. That's the goal. We all want to get there. That's the goal. I want to go be with Jesus. 
But I understand that he's called all of us to do a work before we get there. And you know what he's doing, church? What's he doing? He's preparing you in this life for the next. And that's exactly what he's doing. So with that as an intro, let's jump into our text. Psalm 121, it's a psalm of assurance and protection. You and I, spiritually, are reaching out going, God, are you there? Notice what it says. Now, they're coming to Jerusalem, and he says, I will lift up my eyes to the hills. From whence comes my help? My help comes from the Lord, who has made heaven and earth. Now, let's, let's unpack it, guys. He says, the first thing the psalmist says is, is I lift my eyes to the hills. The singer of Psalm 121, he looks to the hills, like the distant hills of Jerusalem as they travel to the city, basically to fulfill their pilgrimage. Now, I know that's hard for us in Lubbock, Texas, man. There's no hills, right? It's all flat. So we, I look to the, oh. The, the plains, I look to the plains, right? That there's hills in Jerusalem. It's beautiful. And the wonderful point, his point is wonderful. You see, the singer understands that, that they didn't need to arrive at Jerusalem before they could feel and understand God's protective care. They're not in Jerusalem yet. They're walking. And he says, oh, I lift my eye. And what does he say? Guys, look what he says. He says, I lift my eyes to there. Where, where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord. Who? Who made the heavens and the earth. Now, there are two suggestions of what's intended by looking to the hills. Okay, one of them suggests, well, this was a consideration, we'll talk about this in a second, of the high places, right? where idolaters were. He says, we'd look to those. And then some suggest that it was an anxious look to the hills, looking for dangers and threats, often from present robbers. So you guys, in your mind, look how the Bible all ties together. Do you remember the good Samaritan, right? When he's walking, right? David actually points this out when he says, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, right? The good Samaritan, basically one of them got robbed and the, he's walking through this valley and there's this... And, and, that's what we do. We'd look and be like, okay, who's hiding behind there? Though I walk through the valley of the shadow, somebody's going to jump out and rob me. So they would look to the hills like that. But the psalmist says, my help, my help comes from the Lord. Now, here's what I want you to see, okay? I want you to keep this in mind. The apostate Jews, guys, they worshiped other gods at shrines, Okay? We call them, if you look through the Old Testament, they're called the high places. You'll see them. And many of them left the high places or the shrines. You'll see that a lot through the kings, right? And this king did evil in the sight of the Lord, and he left the shrines in the high places. Okay? So a lot of the apostate Jews go, no, we don't believe that. We're going to worship other gods. Other gods. But the faithful people of God looked above the hills to the great God who created all things, where travelers caught sight of Jerusalem and knew there was of God. How do you know? Look what he says. Guys, look at it, look at it again. I will lift up my eyes. Okay, so he's looking over the hills. He's going, there it is. And I know that there's some false worship going on in them hills. He says, but I'm going to look above the hills. I'm going to look at the God who created heaven and earth. Church, listen to me. 
in this life, we can trust one of two things. You can trust counterfeit gods who will leave you and hurt you, and they're in the hills and people are worshiping them. Or you can can worship the one true God that created you. God that created you who loves you, and he has a plan for you. Look at this. As we walk through this life, guys, our God is, is our heavenly Jerusalem. But our trust is in the God who created the heaven. So at this point, guys, the pilgrims would join in in singing, right? This is great. Why? Because notice verses 3 and 4. Here's what they say. He will not allow your foot to be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. Now, this is amazing, okay? Because if you're taking notes, jot this down. My father's eyes are upon me. My father's eyes are upon me. Why? Because notice what he says, right? Let's unpack these verses. God would love, God would help his people. How, church? By establishing them on a firm foundation. Allowing them to stand and not allowing their foot to be moved. Right. Notice it again, right? Jot this down. He will not allow your foot to be moved. Do you understand that? When you walk to Jerusalem, okay? Now, you and I, we're really modern. We're 2017. Not a whole lot of hills and not a whole lot of trails. But back in the day, they were very careful because they could have tripped. They could have easily uh, twisted an ankle, Okay, they could have fallen off. They could have just been. And so God says, no, 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 listen, when it comes to your spiritual life, I'm going to make sure that you have a firm foundation in your walk with God. I'm going to make sure every foot is established. I've got you. I've got you. In our personal journey, guys, in our personal journey, we call life. We need to make sure that we're walking on a firm foundation. We must we must what, guys? We must submit to the Lord all of our hearts and lives, and allow him to direct our steps. Your attention, please. That's our problem. Our problem is we read the word of God, but we don't take that step of application. God, how do you want to use this in my life? And I'll tell you why we don't. Because when we do, God opens up our hearts, and there's some stuff in there that we don't want anybody to know, and it hurts. Just me? God, God, fix me. God, cleanse me, man. Lord, I want to be more like you. Okay, come here. Ow, never mind. I'm good. (laughs) Never mind, God. I'm cool. That's all right. How are you doing? You doing all right in your walk? You know, we just want to do, we just want to get everything out of our, just, but listen, listen. But when we do this, guys, when we allow the Lord to come and he starts to chip off those things that need to be chipped off, I'm telling you, the first thing that comes to your life is joy. Unspeakable joy. How was your day-day? Had a bad day. Horrible. Everything went wrong. But I have this joy. Why? Because God, this is nothing. Why do you have this joy? Your boss chewed you out. Right? You got six flat tires and you only own four, four tires. I mean, how does this work? I have joy. Why? Because God's working on me. I'm applying his word. I'm trusting him. I'm trusting him. We must submit our hearts, guys, in our lives and allow him to direct our steps. Isn't that the case? 
God, where do you want me to stand next? Where do you want me to walk? Where do you want me to walk? Here's my firm foundation. Why is that so key, church? I have... I Man, my, my grandbaby is amazing. You guys know how much I love her. When we play blocks, I have taught her that the first thing she needs to do is make a foundation. You go, Ben, she's little. What are you talking about? I said, the first thing I taught her is in blocks. She goes, we need to make a foundation. Why? Because isn't that key in all of life? Look at your houses that you live in, right? What happened if you'd have built those on sand? With all the rain we had, it had been washed away. We build our lives on the firm foundation of Jesus and not anyone else. All the rest is, what does David say? Shifting sand. All the rest is just... I've told you this, guys, this before, but I'll tell you it again because I think it's appropriate here. Uh, when you walk into the, out to the Atlantic Ocean, right, and you stand there, waves keep coming in, and those waves are brutal. They want to they wanna trip you up. They want to get you wet, okay? And so you'll stand there, and you'll walk out a little bit, and the little ones don't bother you, right? You ever walk out in the ocean? Little ones don't bother you. You just kind of go, psh, psh, you just kind of kick them a little bit. No big deal. You walk out a little bit farther, and they start to get a little bit bigger, Right, And so you don't get very brave because the water's like 40 degrees and you don't want to get cold. But you stand there, right? I've told you this. And then all of a sudden, the, the tide shifts, and all of a sudden, you get a little bit bigger wa- wave. Okay? And the Lord spoke to me when that happened. I said, you know what? That's a lot like life. There are, there are little, little waves in our lives. Amen? We got, oh, it's a little, I've got to deal with this. Okay. And then all of a sudden, we're not paying attention, and here comes this bigger wave. And you're just like, whoa! All the while, guys, where's your feet? It's still on the sand. And as the water rushes back into the ocean, you don't have a firm foundation anymore. Here's my point. Too many of us guys are looking at each wave that comes that we forget to build on a foundation. Everything that happens, we're going, okay, this is going to happen. Is it going to be a small wave? Is it going to be a little wave? Is it going to be a big wave? Is it going to be a small wave? And all the while, the the floor underneath you is being moved. And that's what happens. We get tripped up as believers. We fall. What happened? What happens if you fall in the ocean, if you're halfway in the middle? The bigger wave is going to do what? It's going to overwhelm you then, right? It's going to come. And so that's, that's what he's saying, guys. He's saying, listen. Trust the Lord. He will not allow your foot to be moved. And then he goes on and he says, notice, he who keeps you will not slumber, will not slumber. Now, before we go there, I started to think, okay, Lord, what do you mean like our, like, like you won't allow our foot to be moved? I mean, I, I get that, a firm, a firm foundation. And I found this quote from Charles Spurgeon who said, our feet shall move in progress, right? We're still walking but they shall not be moved to their overthrow. In other words, we won't fall. So how do we apply this? How do we apply this? 
Well, you can turn there real fast or you can just listen. It's up to you. Ephesians chapter 6, two verses kind of gives us some principles that the psalmist is talking about. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 11 and 13. Let me just read them to you, okay? He says this. Paul is speaking to the Ephesian church, and he's kind of closing out his letter. And he's going to talk to us about the whole armor of God. Verse 11 says, Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Why? Why do we need the armor of God? You ready? For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of darkness in this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. So what is he saying? He's saying, guys, we need to put on the whole armor of God. And right before that, he gives us the whole armor of God. But he says we need to put on the whole armor of God. And you go, for what reason? Well, he's going to tell you, listen, guys, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. But pastor, I had a fight with my spouse. That's flesh and blood. That's what's being used. But where does, where's the source coming from? Right here. We have to put on the whole armor. Why? Look at verse 13. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, having done all to stand. Here's the point. We express the strength we have in God by standing against the wiles of the devil. Satan's schemes against us coming to nothing when we stand against the power of God. You go, what, what, what can I learn from this? Well, Pastor David Guzik writes this, and I'll just quote his stuff. The standing of the believer in Jesus is impressive. He says this. Number one, we get to stand in grace. Romans chapter 5, verse 2. We get to stand in grace. Right? Grace is what helps us. Pastor, what are you talking about? Don't we all live guilty lives? I should have done this. I should have done this. I should have said this. I should. We all have guilt. The grace is supposed to come in and take away that guilt, and you stand in grace. What else do I stand in, Pastor? We stand in the gospel. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 1. We stand in the good news, the good news of Jesus Christ. Listen, church, listen. For news to be really good, what does it have to do? It has to invade bad spaces, doesn't it, right? So the news comes in, it's bad spaces, and he goes, oh, that's really good news. That's really good news. That's really good news. Church, let, let, me, let, me, let me say this, okay? The Bible says that no one knows the day or the hour that Jesus come back. Can I get an amen? amen? So does Ben know? No, Ben doesn't know, right? He doesn't know. But let's just say that the Lord was going to come back. Let's just say he's going to come back six months from now. Let's just say. We knew it. He, he lined out everything. Now, all of you would go, Ben, nobody knows the day or the hour. And I'd say, amen, nobody knows. But here's what we do know. What if we did, what if we, we lined everything out? We, could, we did the math and we go, man, the Lord's coming back, okay? The Lord's coming back. How would we live? How would we live? What, what would we say? To each other. See, we stand, we stand in what, guys? Well, we stand in grace. We stand in the gospel. We stand, he says, in the courage of 
we stand in courage and strength. We stand in faith. We stand in Christian freedom. We stand in Christian unity, and we stand in the Lord. That's what he's saying. So, so Ephesians gives us the principles of what, what the psalmist is saying. He says, listen, I'm not gonna, you're not going to fall. You're not going to fall. You're not going to fall. And then he comes back and he says, okay, now, now here's, here's the thing. He uses these words, and I don't know if you caught them, right? He uses the word slumber and sleep. And I was like, what's the difference? Because, right, I thought slumber was the same as sleep, right? Hey, how many of you are going to slumber, right? We don't do that. We say, what do the kids say? We're going to have a slumber party, which means no sleep for anybody, okay? So what's the difference? Well, God is the one who will keep you, and the God who never keeps you never slumbers. It's used twice, okay? Here's what it actually means in the Hebrew. It means to sleep. That's what it means. Your God is never falling asleep, never siesta. He doesn't crash out. There's no snoresville. Your God is never asleep, right? God, I'm praying at 4.30 in the morning. He's awake. I hear you. I hear you. We go, well, what does slumber mean, Okay. Well, it means to sleep. Well, what does he say sleep, right? The last part. The God of Israel shall never slumber nor, everybody help me, sleep. It means this, to get old and fall asleep anywhere. That's what it means, right? When you get old and then you can just sit in your chair and, and you just fall asleep. That's what it means. I'm not, I'm not making this up. Look in for yourself, Right? Older people, bless your heart, love you to death, but they fall asleep anywhere. <laughs> See? Sometimes in church, right, Joe? So, <laughs> Thank you, Lori. Appreciate that. Here's what I love about this, guys. Here's what I love. Is that our God what does what? He doesn't get old. If you, if you click on that, a couple of buttons, it actually says this, to fall asleep as getting old or figuratively to die. And I thought, wow, God never dies. He never gets old. He's not going, man, I've been doing this God thing for a long time, getting tired. You know, well, God, how old are you? Well, you know, you know me. I'm about 6,000 years old. I mean, what's up? I could use a siesta, right? That's not God. Why? Because he's doing his job and he keeps you. That's the whole psalm. Here's a God who never slumbers nor sleeps. So when you're up at four in the morning and you're crying out to him, he's listening. And when you're sleeping, he's got you. And when you can't sleep, he's got you. He's got you. Then it goes on in verse 5. It says, the Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. Don't you just love this encouragement? Why? Our keeper is not only on the throne looking down at us, guys, but he is our, what? He is our, he's at our side as a shield, as a shield. Now, let's chat for just a moment, okay? Here's what I want to bring to point, okay? God's, God loves you. He's keeping you. He's protecting you. You're, you're reaching out in the darkness, and you feel his full assurance. But let me say this to you, church. Let me just make sure. That doesn't mean that believers will never find themselves in difficult or dangerous situations. Nor does that mean that we will never feel physical or emotional pain. 
Sometimes we go, well, God, come on, God, what gives? It's like, no, 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 you don't understand. We still live in this world. We still feel all of these things. We still get hurt by people. We still hurt people. We still have all of this stuff. We still find ourselves in difficult and dangerous situations, right? And you go, well, how does, what, what, what do you mean? Okay. Well, here's what I want you to remember. Think about David, okay? He went through so much, right? David could tell you stories. He had heartaches. I mean, he even had pain. He even had his life threatened. But the Lord Jesus enabled David to turn his seemingly tragedies into beautiful psalms that encourage us today. David says, man, I know I was really bummed. I was really messed up. And he writes it down, and it encourages us today. Why? He's not going, listen, if you follow God, listen, if you give your life to God, everything's going to be great, man. You're going to just have everything you want. I guarantee you give your life to Jesus Christ and you write a check, it's covered. Pastor, I don't have any money in the bank. Don't worry about it. That's Christianity. That's not Christianity. We still hurt. We still struggle. There's still pain. The things that God permits to happen to us in his will might hurt, but they won't harm us. That's a good quote, is it not? The things that God permits to happen to us in his will might hurt us, but they will never harm us. Think about this, guys. I know we got to close here in just a second. The Lord is your keeper. It goes, amen. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day nor the moon by night. You go, Ben, what does that mean? Well, your minds, all my Bible students in here, your minds went to the Exodus. You went to the Exodus, right? Charlton Heston, right? Leading people out, right? The, the whole Ten Commandments. You go, yeah, I remember that movie. What, what was the whole point, right? They were led by a cloud, right? A cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night, right? And that's so cool, right? Because when the cloud got up and moved, everybody said, oh, time to pack up at night, and you go, yeah, I remember that movie. I remember the uh, Egyptians were approaching, and Pharaoh, and he didn't have any hair, and he's just going down, and then all of a sudden, there was this, this big, you know, weird fire pillar, and we couldn't get through, and it was what? Help me, church. It was protection, wasn't it? Why? It was enough protection for the Israelites to cross the Red Sea. Everybody knows that, but you realize that it was also what? At night in the desert, When the sun goes down, so do the temperatures. And so God would use that as an amazing heater to keep the Israelites warm. But in the daytime in the desert, as the sun came up, it got brutally hot. So what was the cloud for? To keep them cool. Shade. Isn't that cool? Isn't that cool? And so the psalmist writes, he goes, what am am I tripping about, man? God is my shade over the sun. He keeps me warm at night. Man, let's party. This is a good thing. This is a good thing. So what does shade do? It protects you. And I wrote a story real quick, and it's a story about about this missionary. Her name is Lori Anderson. She was a missionary and to this head-shrinking Kandoshi Chabra Indians in Peru. 
She was looking for a quiet place for her daily time of Bible reading and prayer. So she went down to the edge of the river. After reading the Bible, she took up her prayer list. Eyes closed, she did not see the deadly anaconda weaving through the water until it struck. Burying its fangs into her flesh, it withdrew to strike, hitting her arm again. And again, as it held her, screaming in its coils, it reared up for the death blow. Then suddenly, a giant snake, never known to release its prey, relaxed its grip and slithered off into the water. While Lori was being treated by a witch doctor from a nearby village, burst into the hut and stared at her. She couldn't believe Lori had survived. She said her son-in-law, also a witch doctor, had chanted to the spirit of the anaconda that morning and sent it to kill the young missionary. Quote, I'm certain, Lori said, that except for the protection of God, it would have worked. End quote. God protects you. God loves you. Last two verses, guys. The Lord shall preserve you from all evil. He shall preserve your soul. The Lord shall preserve your where? Going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. Now, remember, it's on our playlist. And so the singer had great confidence in God's protecting power. At this point, he's like, you know what? God, God's protecting me. God's protecting me. Evil men may come and afflict the child of God, but never do him or her permanent harm. And the Lord shall preserve your soul. These last two verses gently remind me that my father's care, my father's care is still all around me. And it reminds me, guys, that we don't need to fear life and we don't need to fear death. We don't need to fear today or tomorrow for we're in the loving care of the Father. And I don't know if you noticed this, but three times it used that phrase, the Lord shall preserve, he shall preserve, the Lord shall preserve. And it's almost like Jehovah shall keep as if the sacred trinity thus sealed the word to make it sure. Charles Spurgeon said, ought not all our fears be slain by such a... Such a threefold flight of arrows? What anxiety can survive this triple promise? This evening I mentioned to you guys about the rumors of wars. I've mentioned to you that the world is falling apart. The world I mean, I, I didn't even I didn't even get into I was I was telling my wife today I was telling my wife today at lunch I didn't even get to the the grown man who thinks he's a six year old girl and dresses that way I didn't even get to the place where where a man spent fifty thousand dollars to be a sexless alien I'm just I'm just I'm scratching my head. Going, what, what, what is wrong with our world? The point is really simple, guys. Tonight, the Lord loves you and he's going to protect you. And you might tonight have to reach out your hand a little bit and go, God, are you still there?
God, are you still there? Are you still there, Lord? And he's going to go, I got you. I'm right here. I'm never going to. Why? I'm never going to leave you nor forsake you. I got you. Oh, God, I don't feel like you're, I don't feel like you're there. I'm here. I'm here. Well, pastor, what happens if I do get sick? What happens if there is cancer in my family? What happens if there is an unexpected crash or death? What happens? What happens? Our foundation is so solid in the sovereignty of God. And let me say this to you guys. You may leave this earth with questions about about why God did and didn't do stuff. That doesn't threaten him at all. But when you get to the other side, all your answers will be, all your questions will be answered. But for me, I want to learn what I need to learn because I want to grow closer to God. If he's coming in six months, I want to be closer to God. If he's coming next week, I want to be closer to God. If he's coming back in the next five seconds, I want to be closer to God. Why? Because, guys, we're fighting a battle, are we not? Isn't not the world attacking you every single day? You know what? Back in the 1980s and the 90s, we didn't know a whole lot that was going on in the world. We had some news and some newspapers, and, and that was about it, right? But because of the Internet and because of how, uh, how social media has escalated everything, I mean, we get everything so fast, and it's just, it's just stressed us even more. But I'm here to tell you tonight, guys, you don't have to be stressed. What you need to do is put your faith and trust in God and say, I'm going to be right there. I'm going to put my faith in you. Put my faith. I'm going to trust him. I don't understand. Er- let's, let's say it together. I don't understand everything, but I trust the Lord. I don't understand everything, but I trust the Lord. Father, we thank you for your word tonight and the truth in your word, and we thank you for your great love. We thank you for Psalm 84, Lord, that just encourages me. Lord, I, I, I know that I'm going to look above the hills because I know that I want to look to you. God, I don't always feel like you're with me, but I I trust that you are because, Lord, I want to walk by faith and not by sight. I don't want to walk by feelings. I want to walk and I want to trust you. Thank you, God, for Psalm 84. We look forward to what you want to teach us on Sunday as we come back and study John chapter 3. We love you, Lord. It's in your beautiful name we pray. Hey, this is Pastor Josh. I hope this message has encouraged you in your walk with Jesus. If it has, we would love to hear your story of how it has impacted you or especially if you responded to the invitation to receive Jesus into your heart as your Lord and Savior. To get in touch or to receive more information, please contact us by phone at 806-799-2227 or send an email to calvarylubbock at hotmail.com. Again, that phone number is 806-799-2227. Also, if you want to partner with us financially to take the gospel to West Texas and the world, please click on the Donate button on calvarychapellubbock.org. Thanks for listening to the podcast. 
May God richly bless you.